GPS powered by SET. Today on Line Noise, we are talking to Paul Wolford, a DJ and producer from the north of England, who uh, is probably best known these days as Special Request, um, but he's also known as Bobby Peru. Uh, for example, and he's known under his own name. Uh, he has lots of different names, which is something we're going to get into. Um, his recent uh, DJ Kicks album came out on cassette records uh, and was pretty fabulous. Uh, so this is Line Noise with Special Request. So, Paul, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, and I was just thinking before we started, we've had a lot of brilliant musicians, producers, DJs on Line Noise, but I think... You're the first person to have had a genuine chart hit um, with Looking For Me that went to number four in the UK, right? How, how did that feel? Thank you very much. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it felt it felt incredible because, you know, it was it's something that I've always wanted to happen since since I was a kid. Um and and the mad thing was it, it got to number one in Ireland, <laughs> so so we did get a number one, but it but it was an island, um, which an island somewhere that you know I used to go to a lot when, when we were gigging, and um, we'll be doing again when, when when it all starts up. But yeah, I mean, it felt incredible. It was kind of like the it felt like almost. I'm trying to work out the right way to say this. Uh, it it probably felt like one of the most deep seated ambitions that I've had was, you know, was it was kind of like, you know, you felt it building. We could see it building. We could see by the all of the information about the record that we could see it was going to do well. Um, almost not almost straight away, but within. I think within three weeks of it coming out, we could tell by the way the way it looked and the you know and the, when you look at all the all the statistics and all, all of that type of nonsense that usually we don't really pay much attention to, and um, yeah, it felt it felt incredible and and um, and yeah, there was there was also a lot of goodwill from from people in the industry who perhaps have nothing to do with um, with that side of it as well, like people who are who were, you know, who we had a lot of support from people who, who were, you know, not not involved in pop music or or even commercial endeavor of of that side of it. You, you know, people in the industry were just like, yeah, go on, it's good to see it happening. So it was kind of, I felt like I felt like I've managed to um, manage to do something to go from one place which is completely different and to cross over into a place that's um, completely different as well. So yeah, it, it was. It was really, really good on on a number of different levels, and um, and yeah, it's the 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 doors that I've opened. I mean, I was already kind of uh, working on on a lot of things that that related to that and putting in the groundwork around it. But 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 the doors that open when you have a, a record like that and the success that comes with it are just just things that you you can't you can't open some of those doors until it happens. So so yeah, it's it's been a it's been really. It's been really satisfying, but it's also been really inspiring, and um, and it's you know led to a lot of a lot of other things. So yeah, in- incredible, really. I mean, without wishing to to put a downer on it, has it been a was it a bit weird to have it in a year that there was a you know that there was a pandemic and you couldn't go out and play the clubs with a you know number four chart hit on you know, well, your name. Or? You know, a, a lot of people say that to me. A lot of people have, have, have asked me about that. And the truth of the matter is that it's probably saved my life um, because 
I couldn't, what I couldn't do is I couldn't, I couldn't do, if you have a hit like that normally, everywhere you go, you know, even if you have a hit that's not even, the, you know, the size of that, if you have a hit that's a quarter of the size of that, um, people people everywhere you go, was like, yeah, let's party everywhere you go. And if you're touring, um, you know, it's that gets compounded. And the before before lockdown, before all of that, um, the the year that I had booked in my diary was, I mean, I look I look back and look at the traveling that I had booked in and just the idea of it now is horrifying. It's It's like, you know, I was really pushing it and, and to add in that to it and, um, you know, and thinking about the, you know, you know, moving around after being partying everywhere you go, or, you know, it's kind of like, I think it's, I, I've no put it this way. I think, I think because I'm, a, because I've been around and I've seen, I've seen cycles in dance music for years and years and years, because I've been around the block a bit. I've seen, I've seen it with friends and I've seen it with acquaintances and other artists and peers where they, they have, they have a crossover record and it absolutely, it changes their life, but it also changes it in negative ways because it has this effect of, um, you know, you kind of everywhere you go everyone wants to party so so you kind of get lost in the source of it and then also the the pressure is on to to continue the run and um and i think i think the key is well i mean i've been really lucky because not being able to to be out has taken all of that out of it and it's and it stopped me from getting carried away with the all the bullshit basically because you know there's a lot of bullshit that comes with you know having records that that do that well and and it's kind of like I, I think it's I think it's imperative that if if you if you're in this for the long haul that you've got to keep your head together. The, the other thing I was thinking about is um, it would have been great if if this had happened a few years ago to go on to go on top of the pops because like number four uh, in the UK that's <laughs> definitely that's yeah. beyond three times four times something like that yeah i mean you know i i would have been i would have been straight on there with, with, without a doubt without a doubt and, so, and some people are like oh god you do that how naff and i'm like no get fucked i'd be straight on there well this is <laughs> this is the thing i was looking up earlier um what year you were born because i suspected um we were about the same age um you were born in seven nine seventy six, right that's right yeah yeah I was, I was born the following year but i think a lot of um uh, a lot of our uh, influences and, and sort of things were, were, were similar. Um, and one thing I remember, and I wondered if this sort of resonated with you, was seeing things like Alternate and, I don't know, Jack Your Body and, and the Prodigy on top of the pops. And I thought that had a very sort of fundamental effect, you know, when growing up and you, you sort of accept these things as quite normal. Did, did you? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember seeing those those kind of bands? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and... Um... I mean, I mean, the, the mad thing, the mad thing was that those records were charted like Jackie Body got to number one. And I was I was only I was just getting my head around what house music was when 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 Jackie Body was at number one. I mean, I was at that stage, I was I was so into rap music, I was so into like public enemy and you know, cold chilling records and all of that sort of thing. And 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 I was and the Street Sounds Electro compilations, which got me into it all. So I was kind of like and I was getting exposed to house music, but it was it it was initially from the radio. It was from hearing things like Jackie Body on the radio, and I was like, "Wow, this sounds different." It sounded so it sounded really alien to me. It sounded completely different. And then once I once I 
you know, started to buy more house records. And but I was buying these house compilations called Jack Tracks, where you know you'd have like you'd have like twenty four tunes on it across across double vinyl. And so and they 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 really opened my ears. And I'd, I'd hear on that I'd hear like proper acid house. I'd hear like you know things that were song based rip offs of old disco records. And, um, and so I got a wider sort of view on what house music was by that entry point. But yes, yeah, certainly the 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 starting point was was things like Jackie Body Charting and then the maybe the the strongest maybe the record that made me feel the strongest out of that whole brace I mean there was a few there was the black box stuff was amazing and, and that that really blew me away the the you know ride on time and everybody everybody records like that but especially big fun by inner city I mean that that record is simultaneously it's a perfect pop record and it's also a perfect dance record and it's and that's kind of the it's kind of the it's the one that I hold up as being probably probably perfect um from that era but it was also a techno record as well and that's that's the mad thing about that record it's it's it simultaneously straddles three areas perfectly it was on the the you know the, the first virgin compilation um that was put together by um by uh, Neil Rushton, um, and and and, um, and it, so it was on there at the same time as, as as being you know I think it got to number did it get to the I'm not sure whether it was a top ten record in the UK but it might have been number twelve but you know I was seeing that in real time you know and 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 I I didn't understand that it you know now I understand where it's where it's positioned and how how it happened but at the time you know you just at that age you absorb things on such a sensory level and I guess what I've been trying to do all these years is to remove all the artificial um intellectualizing it that that we apply to music and to remove all of that and just feel what feel the music on a sensory level and then create from that sensory level and that's that's why we're having this conversation today because at some point i've managed to do that i managed to zone out all the noise and all the overthinking and just concentrate on the actual the heart of the matter so so yeah how do you how do you manage to do that? That strikes me as something's particularly difficult for somebody who's been doing, you know, what you've been doing for uh, more than more than two decades. Um, how can you get to that that sort of level where it is like sensory level? Well, the, the trick is to the trick is to absolutely that you've got to you've got to compartmentalize. Um, your thought process in a way that I mean that's that sounds that probably sounds complex, but you have to actually, in your mind, you have to actually have to see your thoughts and put them into a box and push the box away, and then that's before you even walk in the room. And then, and then, um, and then you just have to get into a flow state while you while you're creating what you're creating. I've I've been doing it. Today. I've been doing some writing for a um, for a project like a, a, a rework of a of a, a pop song, um, and it's. And I've I've just been I'm all I'm doing is I'm I'm playing I'm playing along with the with the vocals and I'm just in my I'm in my mind I'm not even thinking I'm just playing, and 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 it's you have to be able to completely just forget about the world and forget about everything and um and it's it it took me a long time to do it but I I realized that um it was something that I just did but by. I, I almost did it automatically when I was when I was in my sort of from my 
yeah, maybe my mid twenties onwards, I started to do it automatically, and then I dropped out of it because I was overthinking things. When when about a few years later, and then when I started special request, that's when I started to absolutely ruthlessly hone in on it. And then d- d- beginning the special request project, that enabled me to completely throw it all away. I could completely. I w- I was developing this project in in. In almost in in secret in private for for a long time before it went public and um and the excitement that I felt from doing it was so um, visceral uh, um, that that it completely I I I felt I, I realized that I turned a corner and I ne- I basically I used that as a technique to apply to everything and now um, I have specific ways. <coughs> of of thought that are that are kind of like they're, they're kind of like exercises basically and i'm i i do i do certain types of exercise depending on how my mind feels and if and if um and if if i feel like oh yeah you, you know you, if, if i feel basically if i'm sitting in the room playing or I'm, I'm trying to do something and i feel like my thought is i'm i'm overthinking then i stop go somewhere else and do an exercise and return or or if sometimes i'll just stop and go right okay that's it for today and come back to it in a, a different day so yeah it's um it's something that i did i did automatically for a period in my life and then i i once i realized that that's that was the thing that was uh, at the heart of it all then you know i started to do it more but i actually think that this is something that um many people write books about music but they don't actually talk about this i actually think that m- more people would benefit from working on their thought process before they make music rather than the actual making of the music and the the um the technicalities of it because people you know people get in touch all the time and they're like oh can you do a you know can you talk us through how you made the drums on this or can you you know can you can you do a you know can you do a like you know do a tutorial you know with with certain software and it's kind of like no the whole this entire thing is in your mind and obviously, once you've gone past a certain technical level, um, if you can make music to a standard where you can communicate an idea, the next thing to do is to focus on what is in your mind, because that is the thing that's gonna that's gonna bring everybody in. Is 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 how you how you communicate the idea using the most direct version of itself, and you can access that through through your thought pattern more than you can by by absorbing a million technical, um, you know, perspectives. The really interesting thing about that for me is that when you were describing it as in like letting your thoughts kind of go by, it sounds a lot like meditation, which is basically uh, on a, on a very basic level is that, you know, recognizing that you're having these thoughts, but not getting caught up in them. Is that something you've tried? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do meditate all the time and um and yeah that that's that's the that's the key to it all is i guess recognizing y- your thoughts you are not your thoughts and and this is something that we all at different points in life and and you know even every now and then i i sometimes i sometimes get wound up about something some you know if i read the wrong thing and i'm like and i'll get really wound up about something but it's kind of like the thought is not you and the thought is something else and the thought is something to be observed rather than, you know, you taking it on because when you take on thought, negative thought, it comes out in a physical way, you know, and, and you, you know, you, you, you can get wound up by something and say your body temperature rises a little bit or, you know, or you, or you, something else might make you sweat. And it, and it's like, you've got to, you've got to realize that your thoughts are not you. They're a separate thing. And when you do that, um, you're, 
your whole your whole outlook changes completely. So you you mentioned um, special request, and one of the things that really draws me to to what you do to your music is that you do have you seem to sort of cross both more commercial dance music having big chart hits and very kind of underground um sounds very underground sort of music um which surprisingly few people do um is it difficult to do um you know you know what i think it is you know you know why i think more people don't do it hmm. i think i think they don't do it because they they feel like they have to fit into the outside perception of themselves um i th- i think a lot of people cuz you know people send me messages all the time other artists send me messages all the time saying oh you know it'd be great to be able to do what you do uh, and the mad thing is that all you need to do is you just make whatever you want. And and, and that sounds really simple. It, it, it is simplified, but you know, all, all I'm doing, if, if you, if you think about it, if, if you really look at it, all I'm doing is I'm doing exactly what I want to do in every way. And I'm not, there's, there's nothing, there's, there's nothing overcomplicated about that because uh, you know, if you, I, I will dare say, if you, the music that you listen to, Ben, when you go through, you know, you will listen to, you will listen to a wide variety of music, and it's the same for, it's the same for all artists. You know, I mean, there are certain, the very rare sorts of people who only listen to one type of music, but I, I'm not sure I've ever met anybody that actually only listens to one type of music, even though they might only create one type of music, and. Um, I'm not saying that everybody should be, uh, you know, a jack of all trades at all. But what I guess, I guess I'm, I'm, I just don't want to self-edit. I don't want to edit myself down, and what I don't want to edit my um, taste down to according to any outside um, perception of what it is I do. Like it doesn't, you know, it it doesn't matter to me what what people think about what I do to a degree because you know I'm having too much fun doing it. And and it's I was said I said to somebody recently, you know, I could next week I might I might wake up and think, you know, I'll make a slide guitar blues album or something like that. And that that and, and the more funnily enough, I said it as a it was like an aside, like I didn't really think about it. And then the more I've thought about it, I thought, wow, that would, that would be incredible. I'm not saying I'm definitely going to do it, but you know, um, the the. The, the, there's so much fun in just doing what you want to do. And it's also as well, why wouldn't you do what you want to do? Life is too short, you know? So I'm, I'm not, I'm just not prepared to not do exactly what I want to do for anybody else's sake. But did you ever get frustrated when, um, I don't know, you're, you're, you come across a club that only plays one sound, you know, it's like, no, this is a, this is a, techno club you know you can't play any of that house or or you know like and and they're kind of like very like laser focused on on that one sound does it do you find that slightly annoying um i've i've in the past what i've always done in those situations because i've i've you know that's been that's been the story of my dj career in certain in certain um ways because up, up to a certain point I was trying to fit everything into everything in and, and trying to represent all my interests. And I realized that I had to ruthlessly edit it down. And, but that's a, that's a challenge of DJing whereby it's a kind of, I guess it's a, it's a, 
it's a test of how much you can concisely edit your taste and 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 apply it to a a certain set of conditions so there's there's a challenge in doing that that makes it fun um but there's also there's also ways in which you can go into an environment like that and you can make that work to your benefit because um limitation can be a uh can be a, a quite a, an interesting driver um of conditions that that have set conditions that that kind of that, that can give you a result faster so because it means that you know you can immediately trim away a load of music that you couldn't play so in a way that can sometimes be the constriction can sometimes be a positive thing um but yeah you know i've, I've been in i've been in many situations where i just thought wow i'd really love to play x record but i just can't play it and likewise the other way around i, I played in um Many years ago, I played in a, a, a an exceptionally good club um, in um, in Brazil called Diage in Sao Paulo, and uh, and Diage is known for for kind of deep house and proper house music and uh, and bits of techno. But um, the first time I played there, I was playing I was playing a record by Basic Channel um, uh, called Quadrant Dub Two, and it's like the the most gorgeous deep house record. It's about I think the original is about twenty two minutes long. <laughs> Um, and it's like it's like a dub of uh, one of their records that they made uh, with Andy Kane. Um, it's like a it's kind of like a New York garage record where they've just dubbed it out, so it's just smudged out. It's so lush. And this guy was in front of me. He's right in front of me. He's banging on the DJ booth. And he's going, "Play Deep House." He's like, like shouting at me to play Deep House. And I'm, I'm just shaking my head. And I'm thinking, this is the fucking deepest house. This is the deepest record you're ever gonna fucking buy. And it's like, and today, today when I think back to it, it's just a case of like perception and um, other people's perceptions are not the artist's problem. It's not for. It's not for. It's not for an artist to to take on other people's perceptions because you know if you when you put your head down on your pillow at night, you know you're talking about an invisible audience that you don't even know. So I think I think the problem with a lot of people is that they they build up this perception of what they think an audience wants, and the audience that they're, they're talking about is an imaginary set of people that they've invented in their minds, and it might that might have come from what somebody's written in the press, or it may have come from what somebody said to them in a club once, or it may have come from they've just you know people just invent things because we we all we our mind overthinks. So this is this feeds into what we we're saying previously about thought and how you thought patterns um, are key to it all because when you're not creating an invisible audience and when you're not when you don't create that in your mind or you're just focused on creating what you what you want yourself and that's when it becomes sensory because you've zoned out everything else and you're just completely in there and you're in you're flowing with with what you're doing i always think of you and i might be wrong i always think of you as a producer first and dj second um, is, is that wrong? Did you get into producing or DJing first? I started DJing when I was 12. Okay. And what age did you start producing? Uh, when I was about, well, I mean, producing, I was making music, but I'd say, I mean, I put out my first record when I was 21. 
So, but I'd been making music for years and I'd been, you know, collecting bits of equipment. Like really, there used to be, there's a, there's a, I think it's still around actually in Leeds called Big Deal, the secondhand shop. And, um, and I was just picking up equipment. I'd save up money and, and, um, and buying like bits of equipment now that would cost, you know, thousands for like hundred pounds, 200 pounds for like amazing synths and drum machines, rolling drum machines that now would cost you 3000 pounds. You could get in there for 150 quid, but you know, when I started buying equipment there when I was like 15. Um, but yeah, I mean, I started, I started DJing when I was 12 and I wasn't, I didn't even know I, I the reason was cause I'd seen, I'd seen like breakdance and films like that and beat street and I'd seen people DJing, but I, and I was like, wow, I want to do that. That looks cool as fuck, you know? And, uh, and I couldn't breakdance as well. Uh, <laughs> I was written, you know, comically bad at breakdancing. Um, but yeah, and and so when I got turntables, I didn't really know, and I, I didn't really know what mixing was in a nightclub sense. So it wasn't like today people buy turntables or, or buy equipment because they they see oh yeah a DJ and a DJ does that he mixes one record to or he or she mixes or they mix one record into another and then and it goes there and that's the job and look they're famous and all of this and it, it was just it just wasn't like that. I didn't even know what I was doing. I was literally buying records. From when I was eight, my my, my auntie gave me a, a record token for my birthday, and um, you know people are like, oh yeah, what was what was the first record you bought? And they're like, yeah, it was Kraftwerk. Like, nah, none of that shit. It was Wham. I bought I bought Wham's album, Fantastic. So yeah, it was. I was just kind of like just following my interest. And you what what you're saying about Top of the Pops, you know, seeing things like that. And then my, my um, a friend of mine that I met when I think how old were we when we were hanging out? I think I was. I think I was about 11, uh, a guy called Nick and, and his older brother was getting all the street sounds, electro albums and he was taping them. So, so we were, we were swapping these tapes and they blew my mind. So, so it was hearing those things and hearing all the record scratching on the, on the street sounds, electro albums, and then seeing films like beat street and breakdance. And then I was like, right, I've, I, I just, you know, I was just following my interest. And uh, I had these Kenwood, uh, belt drive decks and, um, and I, and I didn't really know what I was doing with them, but I was just playing the records that I had. And then about, it was about, was it about, I don't know. I don't know. I must, I must, I'd had them for quite, you know, at that age, nine months feels like a lifetime. I think I'd had them about nine or 10 months. And then I, I went and bought, um, in in a the the sale bin in Jumbo Records in Leeds, they had Sterling Void, It's All Right, and Truth Op Open Our Eyes by, by Marshall Jefferson. Both of them were licensed to FFRR, and I think I got them both for like you know ninety nine pence or something like that, twelve inches. And um, I went home, and and bizarre, this is the first mix I ever did, the first proper mix where I mixed it and lined it up, and they were in key as well, and it absolutely blew my mind. I was like, and then and then from that point on, but it was an accident. I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just messing around, and from that on, it was that moment on. It was just like, oh my, oh my god, um, and it was and it was wild. So so I just continued to do it, but it but it wasn't. You know, it wasn't, oh, this is a career or this is, I can make a, I can, you know, it, it wasn't a means to an end. It was just absolutely just enjoying myself and, and trying to have as much fun as I could. And then as the years roll by, 
you know, other records start. You'd see like like French Kiss were charted. You know, you know, Little Louis. Yeah. That when that girl got into the charts, I remember a Red Hot Summer's Day hearing it hearing it coming out of somebody's car, and I remember thinking, "Oh my God, what is that? What is that? What's that noise?" And then it slowed down, and you know, the girl the woman's moaning on the record is just like, "What the fuck is that?" Um, and it just sounded so so exciting and thrilling. It sounded wild. Um, and then when, as the, the years rolled by and then, I, you know, I started to, I found Pirate Radio and that was like, it was like the, the next, the next thing that sort of completely changed everything for me because I was listening to, I was listening to local radio in Radio Air in Leeds and they had a soul show on the Saturday night, which was on at six o'clock. And that was, that was incredible. So that was on there. They were playing like loads of like eighties funk and soul next to records like Jackie body and love can't turn around by Farley Jack, Mr. Funk and uh, S express, you know, British records that were taking the blueprint and kind of expanding on it. And um, it's all mixed up with, with soul and funk. So to me, and I guess that's, that's something that, is is with me now i don't separate those things out and that's why that's why on dj kicks that that those those lines are probably a little bit more explicitly illustrated to a degree at the start of it at the start of the mix i'm sort of drawing on that as, as a way of saying look this is not necessarily a separate thing from all the rest of it it's just a different it's a slightly different road um so so yeah i mean but but yeah you know I, I, I think a few people have been like that over the years and it and it used to bug me saying oh yeah you're more of a producer than a dj and it's like <laughs> you must be kidding man i mean I, i've been djing like i mean yeah 30, it's 30 years I, I should say i meant that as a as a tribute to your production <laughs> rather than um, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, <laughs> yeah it's probably because there's just you know I, you know i've made so many records so it's kind of easy for I think it's easy for people to 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 come to that um, conclusion, but but yeah, you know, it's I could tell you a million stories about DJing, you know, but yeah, I'd bore you to tears. <laughs> You're the only one for me. You're the only one I need. Well, I do want to ask about DJing, like obviously lots. There are lots of great DJs who don't produce, and there are lots of great producers who don't DJ. How important is it for you to do the two things? I mean, how do they fit together? Well, you get you get a different thing from from each. You get a completely different thing. So when you know, touch wood, when when we get events back, when when you DJ and you're getting an instant reaction, um, the people in front of you react, and that's a that's a completely different thing. Rather than um, if you're producing something, you're a lot of the time you can be if if you're if you're working on it alone then you, you have this very solitary process and then as i've been doing lately i've been i've been working on things on me on alone and then taking them somewhere else and mixing them somewhere else and 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 working on refining things back and forth so there's a there's a, there's a whole different set of processes that give you a different um different sensations and and i think that's that i could never i don't think i could I could never imagine a time where I don't do both. I mean, that, that might not be might not be what somebody wants to see, you know, some eighty year old DJing, but you know. <laughs> no, I, I think that's great. I think we're gonna we're we're gonna get there. I mean, I went to see the Rolling Stones a couple of years ago, and you know, they're all in their seventies. It was fantastic. It was like, great, you know. Hey, they put on a good show. It's it's they're kind of like miracles, aren't they? It's it's a miracle. The, the modern modern science miracles. 
Uh, Mick Jagger was a lot more active than me, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, he, he is, isn't he? Like, I mean, he can move. But yeah, I mean, you know, where it's appropriate, you know. But I, the, I think there's... Um, there's on a on the level of curation you know there's something really exciting about just going okay i'll have i'll have this record that record that record and that and then just looking at what that combination how how does that combination make you feel when you when you line up different things together and then just put them next to each other and i think you know we're, we're all curators now as well aren't we i mean everyone everyone's doing their own playlists or or, or, or we all we all I suppose we we you, you probably do it yourself where where you decide what you're going to listen to you, you might be you might be doing a task and and you might go okay well I'll put this on while I'm doing this or or whatever and and that's I suppose DJing in some ways is is just it's just that it's just a different version of that you just you're deciding you're deciding on 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 a on a set of you know some some something some on what on, on you're deciding on um, let me start again you're deciding on on a combination of things that that is going to bring you pleasure but the, the other thing i think the other advantage you've got um is that you can you can think okay i'd like a record that's uh, like French house, but has got like a sort of, I don't know, speed garage baseline and you can actually make it. I mean, and you know, you could like make that missing piece. If you see, if you see what I mean, um, do, does that actually happen or is it, are there kind of two things more kind of more disconnected in your brain? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do, I do sometimes just, just come up with things like that and go, right, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to combine these two things. I I'd had a, I had a period where I was making, um, I was making what I, <laughs> I was making like a combination of kind of like, not dub techno, cause it wasn't dub techno. It was kind of like, I wanted the textures of Detroit techno, but the, the programming of UK garage. So I went through like about a nine month phase of just making loads of tracks like that um and 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 you know sometimes it is as it is as simple as that you just go what about that plus that and th- there's a there's a really enjoyable um um aspect to that which is just you kind of like in your mind you're like wow you know if it's if it comes out all right sometimes sometimes you come up with these ideas and it comes out terrible which is <laughs> which is you know you they, they stay on the they stay on the they stay in the vault never to be heard again but um but yeah you know sometimes you hit upon something which is and and in those moments as well when you do do that occasionally it's it's once you get into the flow of it you kind of your mind is blown by how hasn't this been done before and, and you can be like Oh God, this is this is mad. But then the 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 most exciting, um, probably the most exciting part of that process is when you come up with it, and then it takes you into a different place. It it takes you somewhere that you couldn't have thought of that, and that comes out of the process. So yeah, you know, it is sometimes that happens, and then and then other times, you know, you 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 kind of it it, it comes about from more of a um oblique process where where it's not as overt you know you're not actually you're not having the thought first before you walk in the room but but generally these days i i have i i do have i have the ideas before i even you know switch the equipment on i kind of i know a I know pretty much what the location is, even if I don't know um, the landmarks, if you, if you see where I'm coming from. Well, this brings me to um, my, well, I think my favourite of, of the albums you've released recently, I think, um, which was Offworld. Um, and 
which apparently started with the question, what if Jam and Lewis signed Metroplex? Seems like a very uh, good question to me. Did you, well, how did you think of that? Did you just sort of sit up in bed one day and <laughs> the question was there? Or well, no, you... I, I was in a I was in a hotel room in Denver, and um, and the mad thing about that 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 run of albums, that those four albums that came out in 2019, was that in in December 2018, I went to do a gig in Denver, and um, I had I had a handful of tracks, but I had these. I, I was sort of. I, at the time in Denver, like the weather was really bad and I was sitting in this hotel room and I, I was, my mind was racing. I was like, I was like, hang on, I've got these, I've got, I had four definitive ideas of, of albums that could come out. And I had, I had the, the old music, which was, you know, bedroom tracks, bedroom tapes, sorry. Um, and then, and then I had, I had the ideas for, for what, what became off world. And then I had a couple of things I'd sort of, I'd begun to do some preparation for what became Vortex, but the but the, the off-world thing is purely because you know that that whole eighties era is just something that I adore. And um and uh, but the in my mind I was like, well, what if we could use what if we could reference all of that, but we could have like the palette of almost touch on the palette of Detroit techno and use use today's technology so it sounds crystalline and gorgeous. But if we we use those references, so let's try and combine um, that a little bit. And and also, I'd I'd been listening to um, I'd been listening to some bootlegs of, of of soul records as well, like more like street soul, British street soul bootlegs as well. So I was kind of like, there's a, there's a whole other um, there's a whole other. I mean, it's like an album's worth of tracks that were actually. It's, it's it almost sounds like. Some of it sounds like it could have come off like blue lines because it's kind of like more acoustic and and rougher and more like like British street soul, but um, that's for down the line because I, I just I just think you know, I, I need to open people's ears up even more before you can come with something like that. But um, but yeah, so the it, you know it just seemed like a really fizzy combination to me, and and um, and when when the Houndstoothy released that album, they, they were like yes, yeah, so because they because they know that with all the PR with all the press releases that. That, that come out with my music most of them are, I've come up with most of them because I'm really picky about what goes out and I'm it, usually someone else writes it and I'm horrified so with that I, I I said like this is the press release and it was what if you know Jam and Lewis signed to Metroplex and I was like don't give them anything else and they were like we need to give them something else I was like fuck that you're not giving them anything else just give them that question and let it sit there and um I think I think they, we did add something else to it in time, but um, yeah, it was it just simply felt like a really fizzy combination. I thought that was a really wonderful album. I thought it was one of those things that that I remember like seeing the question. I was like, well, I wonder what it would sound like, um, and then I couldn't I couldn't sort of think of it. And then when I actually listened to it, I was like, yeah, I guess it would sound like that, you know, which was really great. Um, you, you talked a bit about um, some of the special request um, music that you do. Um, references old hardcore and jungle. And I, I think you talked about that and you said um, that while on the surface the music might sound like it comes from the 90s, using technology that wasn't available then. Do, do you think listeners hear that? Like they, they get the, the sort of, it, the, new, the new bit? Or do you think people kind of see it as more revival? I think, I think a load of people see it as more revival, but, but they're the people that, that, uh, steered by the press because mm. if you you think it's revival then it just means that you haven't listened to it for in the time between when the press started talking about it again because for years they didn't we all know that so it's kind of 
you know, and the, and the difference is like, if you, if you've never stopped listening to something, it isn't a revival when you make it. And it's kind of like, um, I, I think there are some people that like to say like somebody in, somebody in Groove Mag actually, uh, gave, gave, gave us a really like, uh, gave us a reviewed, um, uh, the Tim Reaper, you know, I did the 12 inch yeah. Tim Reaper on, um, on Shirella Niner's label recently on Hoover Sound. And, um, and and the the guy was saying, what was he saying? I can't. I translated it from German, but he, he was sort of saying, he was saying, oh wow, Tim Reaper does this incredible thing, but but what Paul Wolford does is just like revival, blah blah blah. And it's just like, man, it's just like, though you know, the the music has come out the way it's come because of the combination of the two of us. It's not, it's not, it's not. Oh, you're the old guy, so you're a you're a dinosaur. This is the new blood. It's just, I just found it hilarious. But uh, but yeah, you know, I think that there there are some people that go, oh, that's just revival, and it's kind of like if you think special quest is just revival then you're probably listening to probably 10% of what I've released and if you actually if you count up what I've released there's seven albums I mean if you if you count the Excel recordings releases which are well it's four 12 inches which three of them if put together you could you could probably say are an album even though they were 12 inches that's eight albums including DJ kicks and so if you if you combine all of that and if you actually break it down by by percentage I, I would I would say that you know jungle and hardcore are actually the, the the least amount in that percentage of tracks you know even though it's a huge part of what it is you know um so so it's kind of like I, I don't know i think i think there are certain things that are you know that, that are overtly going okay i'm going to take something that is you know seen as a as a a classic or or, or quote unquote old school trope and i'm just gonna i'm gonna use that idea but but the the mindset is not i'm not aping something i'm i'm doing it and 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 the difference is is that um, when when I'm doing it, when when, I, when I'm making say say jungle tracks, I'm making them in, in I'm, I'm making them with with techniques that are the the way that that's been that music has been made since the since the beginning of it, and um, you know I think that's the difference. What what I don't do and you won't hear me do is is I'm not going to just grab. I'm not going to sample somebody else's like I'm not going to sample two bars of someone else's record and just add that on but as, as a breakbeat and add that on um to what I do and go okay it's a jungle track because that's that's not what it is it's it's when when I do that that process it's it's absolutely what that process is and and has been since the beginning and I think there's a you know there's there's a load of people that don't care about that and it's also not for anyone to care about it doesn't it doesn't math matter in a lot of ways. It's, it's, um, you know, I know that what I'm doing is, is, is not, you know, simply, simply re, you know, I'm not simply retreading the past. Even, even if it, I think, think there are a lot of people who, who like, they'll hear, they'll hear something that I'll hear an old breakbeat and they'll go, Oh, Oh my God, that that's, that's, this is a right. This is a revival. But, but what they're not doing is they're not looking at everything else in their lives and not seeing all of that because there's a, there's a lineage in everything that you, that everything around you, whether it's a piece of furniture, whether it's a painting, whether it's a film, whether it's a, whatever it is, everything that you're surrounded by has a history and it all comes from somewhere. And it's like, like you don't, it's funny, like, like you don't, you, you wouldn't say, oh God, yeah, it's real old school revival when, when, you know, when you're looking at a certain piece of furniture, maybe, maybe you might do if it was really kitsch, but yeah, you know, that, that sort of stuff's kind of like, it's not for me to, 
concern myself with in a way because you know people are always going to have their their views on on what is what is quote unquote new and what is old but if you if you show me anything new i'll tell you what you know what about it is actually old and 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 you you can find somebody that will explain what is old about it and the the um you know the the journey it's taken to 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 enter its for its current form do you know what i'm saying yeah I'm sort of interested in what you make of um, current really big drum and bass. I mean, things like Pendulum and Alex Perez, and and I'm, I'm not entirely sure like who the, the biggest people are. But um, I mean, the reason I ask is because I, I, I there was a point where I sort of stopped listening to that drum and bass a bit because I found it got a bit sort of you know bass heavy and they weren't kind of working on the drums so much. But it's still really really massive. Do, do you listen to that kind of thing? Um, I listen to, I listen to the odd bit of it. It's not, you know, it's something that it's kind of, in a way it's kind of on a different sort of, it's on a different zone to me. Um, and and I kind of, I have occasionally, I've occasionally, but, you know, been been to some of those events and and, and I've done what I do at the minute and it's worked. Um, but it's kind of, it's just on a different, you know, we're, we're in a different place sort of thing, you know? So, but, you know, I have a lot of respect for, for, for a lot of those guys. And, um, you know, there, there's some, there's some great records that come out of it as well. I, I never, I never rule anything out with music. I never, there's very, there's very, few, I think, I think you can find good records in, 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 in most things, if you put in the work to find them. Um, but, you know, it's just not something that is, it's not quite where I am, where, where I overlap with, with, with drum and bass is that occasionally, you know, I do gigs for metalheads. I've got good connections with them. Um, and, um, and, 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 and other people as well. And it, and it's kind of, uh, you know, my, my overlap with it is more, is 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 in that kind of direction so so it's uh it's a different thing anyway you know so it, i i don't know it's it's like it's like there are certain there are certain parts of house music that that are not you know i don't have any i, I don't it's not that i don't have a, any connection to because i have a connection to all of it but there are certain things that are just you know when you know that that's not what you do it's just a different thing um and and um that that's what it is it's just kind of it's it's in a different place to what to to where i am you know yeah, I, I detect, and again, you may well totally disagree with me on this. I detect a sort of certain humour in what you do sometimes in your music. Am I? Am I sort of? Do you see that? Uh, yeah, I, I'm taking the piss out of all sorts of things constantly. Yeah. How and how hard is that to do? Like humour and music. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I ask because it's. it's, it's you know, I'm, I'm not making like I'm not making I'm not making um, novelty records, but sometimes I'm doing something for the novelty of it. Sometimes I might like like, like a great example of that is Vortex. That album was done. It's like how how I made it was deadly serious. I actually actually had to build some equipment to make the sound of that album because I, I couldn't I didn't I didn't have it and it didn't exist, so I had to have it made. Um, but that's that's the side of it that people don't know because I'm not out out there pointing that out in the press going going oh well here's here's my new album and you know because I, I don't give a fuck for all of that it does it doesn't matter it's not it's it's for me to it's for me to do that and then I want people to to hear the the end result not the process so you know I think I think 
I think people can be so precious about music and be so like, oh, we did it this way. We did it with X and Y. And, you know, they can they can they can spend their time pointing out all the, you know, all the all the all the, you know, the fancy details of how it was done and all the rest of it. But I'm, I'm like, just give me the give me the tracks. And if the tracks are proper, if the music's if the music knocks your block off and just makes you feel alive, then that's. <laughs> I'm more I'm more interested in that rather than the kind of um you know focusing on all of the other stuff. But you know, I, I understand that for some people that works for them to to make sure they've got all the boxes ticked and it, you know, it looks oh so tasteful and oh so right and all the rest of it. And that's that's good as well. That's it's good to be authentic. But yeah, I, I on Vortex that was that was where I sort of stepped up the piss take a bit. And uh the the I don't know if you read the press release, but that's that was worth. I think maybe that was what I was thinking. What I was thinking about. Yeah, I was taking the piss there completely. Um, yeah, I, and I do, I do a lot, but uh, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like there's a, there's a point where you know you can you can, you can. It's not that it's not that. Yeah, you pro- you probably could not ever take enough piss. I don't think, but um, I don't know. Maybe there'll be a point where you do. 